Could we just turn to Second Peter? We're um, now looking at the the second letter of Peter. The title of uh, my subject this afternoon is "Your Calling and Election." We'll read the first eleven verses together first before I make any comment. <clears throat> Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he, was, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, Supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. This uh, second letter that Peter has written, there's a slightly different change in the opening as to how he introduces himself. Um, Peter refers to himself as Simon Peter here, whereas at the beginning of the first paper, or the first letter, he introduced himself as Peter. If you remember, Peter was a name that the Lord gave him. And Simon was his, if you like, his natural name. So you think, what's the significance in that? Well, it seems as in the second letter that he is presenting himself as the same as us, just in case maybe there was a sense in which that uh, Peter had said that he was an apostle and therefore he had some privileged position that people looked up to him. So he starts off by saying that I am Simon Peter. Uh, I am just like you. I am flesh and blood like you. And I am a bond servant of Jesus Christ. You remember the very uh, well-known uh, passage when uh, Peter was um, 
challenged by the Lord and told that, you know, that Satan wants you, Peter. Satan has asked to have you. But I have prayed for you. I think it's, uh, again, um, worth our while, I think, just at the beginning of this letter, just to see where Peter is coming from and why. He sets out right at the very beginning that he is one of us. Like you, I am a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Satan asked to have me, but he didn't get me. <laughs> and we're in the same boat, that we are a people that Satan wanted, but he didn't get. And now we are owned by the Lord. And that's a lovely setting for us to start off with. That as Peter, we are owned by Christ. So before we look at anything else, that is something that I think Peter is setting out and something that we need to set out in our own mind. That we are owned by Christ. We belong to Jesus Christ. So then you go forward from that position. His faith, the faith that Peter mentions here, that we who have received a faith of the same kind. This is a, again the same thing that Peter is saying. We are together in this. We have received the same faith. This is not, this is Peter is writing, of course, to born-again Christians. There is a faith that we exert when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Saviour. We do so by faith. That the atoning work of Christ on the cross at Calvary has given us eternal life. We believe that by faith, that through him we have eternal life. But this is something different. This is not going back to that faith. It's a continuation of the same faith, but it's different. This faith is something that you've received. And it's something that I had, Peter had received. And it's something that we have received, which is a, sometimes referred to as the ongoing call of God. You have been called to salvation. But it didn't stop there. The ongoing call, and again it's accepted through faith, is that the Lord has a purpose for us. You can see this and it's often referred to like the children of Israel being brought out of bondage in Egypt. And it gives a very clear picture, and it's very similar to what we are experiencing. That there came a time when the children of Israel, through faith, had to take the lamb and they had to kill it and they had to put the, door, the blood on the doorpost and the lintels. Why? In order that they might be free. Okay, it was the firstborn life, particularly, that was saved at that point, but it was also the culminating point when Egypt or Pharaoh made the decision 
that he would let God's people go. And they left. And it was through the faith of the word of God through Moses, by the, the blood of the Lamb, that they were loosed from their bondage of sin. It's the same, of course, you see the, the link, of course, in our salvation, that through faith we accept Christ and we're free from the bondage. But the instruction that God gave Moses, of course, was very clear. He said, go down there and tell Pharaoh to let my people go that they may serve me, that they may worship me. Your and my salvation was for the same purpose. We were saved for the purpose that we might serve. Now, there might have been Israelites that got out of Egypt and stood at the Red Sea and decided, I'm not going any further. We don't read about that, but there might have been. Or there might even have been those that crossed the Red Sea and decided, well, I'm not going any further. And of course, maybe that links with a lot of Christians today. They accept the Lord Jesus Christ as a saviour through faith, but that's the end of the matter. And what Peter here is, is talking about and is talking about an inheritance that because we have been chosen, because we have been called, because we have been given this faith, we are equipped for service. The same as the children of Israel were equipped because they had been separated from sin. They had been separated from their bondage. They were now free. They now belonged to God. We today who have accepted Christ as our saviour, we do not have the bondage of sin. We are free to serve. We are recognised by God as a people that he has chosen, that he has called. And therefore, the response should be, well, what is the purpose? What is and that's what Peter goes on to talk about. You read in the Psalm 16 that uh, it talks about the psalmist there saying that he had a good heritage. Now, recognizing as a Jew, as a, an Israelite, that when he'd been called out of Egypt and they had been called into rest, into the place where God wanted them, they were called for a purpose and it was a heritage. We have got that. And it's something I think that Peter is stating out here is something that we should stir our hearts, stir our souls into understanding and believing the purposes of God. That little old me, and thinking about your own little life and thinking how unimportant you and I may think we are, that God has somehow, the great God of heaven, has looked down and picked us. And you think, why? He's, it's accepting that the God is almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, eternal. 
and for a purpose he's chosen us. There comes a thing, a thing like things that we should know and having knowledge are connected. They're not the same. This faith that uh, is a faith that is says is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that his divine power. The word divine used a couple of times here. It's divine power. And divine nature. Divine power in verse 3. And divine nature in verse 4. And again it just gives the strength to that understanding. That this is of God. And that your calling is of God. It's divine. What are we asked to do? We are asked to feed on the person of Christ. Because it's knowledge of him. That's going to set out our faith. Our understanding. And our appreciation. And therefore our spiritual lives. I think the same going back to the Israelite. He was, in the, he was asked to continually remember the Passover. We today have been asked to continually remember the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? It's because we should never forget where we come from. What we've been called out of. And we should never forget that it's all through the person of Christ. It's all in the person of Christ. And our knowledge is not something that puffs us up. Knowledge of Jesus Christ is not something that comes from a good education. It comes from God. And what Peter is stating here is that this is something basic that in order for us to serve God... We need to be, have a knowledge of him and a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you get that? Well, you get that by talking to him and you get that by listening to him. You get that in the word of God. I mean, Paul referred back in Romans about a people who had great zeal, but they didn't have a knowledge of Christ. And he said that was to their detriment. But we can, we can be, often refer to calling them busy fools. We can be very active in doing this, that, and the next thing for what we might classify as righteous reasons. Keep ourselves busy in the things of the church. But the question really is, how well do you know Christ? Because that is going to shape who we are. That is going to shape our service for God.
the knowledge and the faith in him are the channels of our spirituality and it supports us. We need to have a contentment in the belief that as we know him, we take on the garments of Christ and we become like him. But that can only come from a desire in our hearts to study the word of God. Unfortunately, and I think going back to what I said about what I believe Peter was coming from at the beginning of this letter, was that I believe he had a sense in which, and it's certainly been tabulated quite clearly, that there were people who wanted to be associated with these great men, these apostles. We heard yesterday, you know, about uh, I am of Apollos. I am of Paul. And it's a sense in which people hide behind what they see as the knowledge of others. And I would like to just mention, be very guarded against that. Because it's you as an individual that's going to stand before the Lord one day and give an account. And you're not going to be able to say, well, I didn't have any knowledge. I didn't have the understanding of the apostles or of these other great men in my time that were uh, knowledgeable about the Bible and knowledgeable about the things of God. And I was quite happy to just submit to them. There is a responsibility for each one of us to know Christ and in that knowledge will come humility because he was humble and we take on the humility of it. it's nothing to do with personal knowledge and intelligence this is knowing God and when we know him then we then go on to look at what is Peter stating here he says that with all diligence. Now there's a, a good start for the seven steps of faith that are listed here at the beginning of chapter one in his letter. Is where does the diligence come from? That comes from the basic understanding of a knowledge of Christ and what we have just thought about this morning in the remembrance. Were your heart stirred this morning? Did you give to God in thanksgiving, either from your heart or from your voice? That stirring is the diligence that's referred to here, is that there should be a, the basics in our understanding of our salvation of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, what he saved us from. And when he came back after his death and his resurrection, what did he do? He spent 40 days teaching those that were wanting to know him and listen to him and wanted to serve him after his years of teaching. And he taught them the things concerning the kingdom. What did that mean? 
It meant the things that he wanted them to do as Christians, as believers on him, as people who understood what he had just done at Calvary. His response was, I want you to understand me. And what's important to my father and to me are the things of the kingdom. Because that is faith. And Peter is talking here about a like faith. Same faith he had, same faith we have. And that is something that is ongoing. And that with diligence, then he says there should be a supply of number one virtue. Well, what's that? It's a, a, a determination in our lives to be morally upright, to be good, virtuous, excellence of faith. It's to, again, it's an appreciation of what we've been given. We've been called out of and to be called into. We often sing that, don't we? You're called out of the sin and the evilness. You're free. You've got an eternal inheritance. You are loved by God. The Lord Jesus Christ died for you. What's the response? The response is to go and follow the man. We are in Christ. And we invite Christ into us. There becomes a coming together of one. And therefore there should be a desire for moral uprightness. We've put aside the things of the sin. That was our old life. These things shouldn't interest us. And if they do, then if you're in the Word and you're praying to Him, the Holy Spirit is within you. He will help you with these difficulties that we all have. After that, there's a supply of knowledge. Now, we're, we're just talking about knowledge. Knowledge comes from the reading of the Word. How many of us are in the Word? How often do you read your Bible? How often do you sit down and meditate on what you read in the Bible? How often do you talk to God? That's the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because He is the living Word. He is the Word that became flesh. We have to take Him on board. And if we're not reading if we are not meditating, if we are not speaking to him, then how do you possibly expect to get to know him? That knowledge, as I've said, was decried by Paul because the lack of it, it was in the Church of God in Rome. That he's identified people that were missing out. They were losing and they were drifting. And they are the people who are more likely to drift away. They are the people who are more likely to give up and to stop serving God. Because why? The reason is they've got lost their first love. They've lost knowledge and understanding and appreciation of Christ. After knowledge, there's a supply of temperance. Temperance uh, is restraint. And that comes actually, again, I think coming back to where Peter was coming from and saying, you know, <laughs> my words, don't just look at me as an apostle. I am a fellow bondservant. Being t as you study the word of God and as God feeds you 
And as the Holy Spirit reveals things to you, it should pro produce humility. If it produces a person who starts lauding it over everybody else and showing off their knowledge and their knowledge of the scriptures and how good they are, it's not true. It's not the knowledge that God is wanting to impart and not a knowledge that is of Jesus Christ. Because he was never like that. The knowledge should be coming from the heart in all humility as a desire just to know him. To know the love of Christ. To get into, say, into his mind. To appreciate the character of Christ. And therefore desire to be like him. And therefore, <clears throat> in temperance, we hold back and just thank God for what he's got. Because any knowledge we have is God-given. So it's not, there should be no pride at all on our knowledge of God, our knowledge of the scriptures. After that is, comes patience. With patience is like an endurance. You know, the early um, disciples yeah, and the apostles, um, the early Christians, they were all expecting the Lord Jesus Christ to come. That was 2,000 years ago. <laughs> There's a, a need for us to have patience. And with that comes like trust. It's trusting God. To know that he knows the right time. He knows everything. The beginning from the end. He's eternal. And he's called us at this precise moment in time for purpose. He has a purpose for each one of us. And it might be tough. He might have called us in a tough time. In tough conditions. We might have stress and strain and difficulties to overcome. And you wonder why. And of course, maybe the simple and easy answer is, Lord, come, <laughs> take me away from this place. I just long for eternity. I long for you. But he's also called us to serve. And therefore, endure. Endure with him. And enter into his suffering. Because that's how we get to know Christ and to appreciate him. He endured. He was patient because he trusted in his Father. That's how we should be. And with that, there comes a godliness. Well, you know, none of us like to stand up and, and say, I am godly. But what's wrong with saying, I am godly in Christ? a big difference because godliness doesn't come from your own efforts it's a gradual uh, evolving into the person of Christ godliness comes from a desire and a love of his things and wanting to be like him and if we follow those the virtues, the knowledge, the temperance, the patience then 
you're going to get moving towards being godly because your mind is on the things of God and your desire is on pleasing him. <clears throat> that comes from the reverence and awe. You know, that what is it that makes you get up on a Sunday morning to come here? What is it that brings you to the prayer meeting? What is it that wants you to come together with people who love the Lord Jesus? I think it's partly what's again the faith that we've been given as it grows within us is a, having a reverence of an understanding because the more we understand God the more we realise how great he is and how far above us he is that we trust him. If you're still at the stage where you're saying to God what are you doing God? Why on earth are, you, are all these things going wrong in the world? Why is my life so upside down? Why is it I don't get the things I keep asking you for? If you're still at that stage, then keep reading. <clears throat> keep talking to him. Because you need to grow to an understanding that God is great. God is all-powerful and he loves you. And he's got a desire for you. He wants you to serve him. And he has an inheritance for you that goes into eternity that's way beyond our understanding. Fix your eyes on that. And the things are the little things that maybe seem big things to us because it's our little life really fade into insignificance. When we look at it, we talk about the big picture of God. God created. He created the world in six days. And then in the seventh day, he said, I'm going to rest because what I've done is very good. And he wanted Adam and Eve to spend a day, a week, just thinking about the creation. Just look at what I've done. You know, I was talking about this at the oversight about the Sabbath, the importance of the Sabbath rest. That there is a need for us to spend time meditating on who God is. And God recognised that. On the seventh day he rested because there was a need to look around appreciate and to call on the name of God and to say how great you are because that puts things into perspective the sixth thing was the love of the brethren that comes you see the, the gradual the moving of the Christ likeness in faith going towards serving God is that there's a need for us to be coming together in the love of the brethren. Again, do we love one another? Again, this is, you might think this is old hat, but this is not something that is like a, a list of rules that you need to abide by and you'll get punishment if you don't, if you don't do them. This is the pleading heart of Peter here, inspired by God. 
to reach out and to teach from this letter, which becomes the inspired word of God to each one of us, that we need to show love for one another. We need to want to be together. We need to learn from one another. Why? As like-minded people, God's desire was for a people. He wanted to draw them to himself. The people of Israel that came through the Red Sea, it says that the Lord drew them, that he carried them on eagles' wings. He He brought them to Sinai. And then he pleaded with, through Moses, do you want to be my people? Because if you do, I will be your God. And we can be together. And there can be a oneness. And I will teach you things about myself. Same thing today. This is what God desires. We come together. Because he wants a priesthood acting as a priesthood and he wants to enjoy the coming together that we learn from one another we learn of him and together we give glory to God and we serve him because we can and he's given us the means to do it he's equipped us until you then ascend into the last one the seventh one is love agape love That agape love is what God craves from each one of us. You know that Peter was asked of the Lord, do you love me? You know, this is maybe Peter's response in some way. You know, this is, Peter said, yeah, of course I love you. He was a man at that time that didn't understand the meaning of the word. And we're like that. In our early Christian life, you know, you ask, do you love God? Yeah, I love God. Do you know the meaning of it? Maybe not. That growing, again, is what Peter's talking about here. I think he understood it when he wrote that letter. He didn't understand it when the Lord asked him. Just in finishing, at the end of that section there, these qualities are yours and are increasing. They render you neither useless nor unfruitful and true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is for God to judge. God judges your fruitfulness. God judges your faithfulness. Not us. We don't judge each other like that. We should encourage one another. And we're all endowed with different gifts. But God's given these gifts. And God will use them to his glory if we submit to him. Therefore, these qualities are yours and they should increase, whatever they are. And he, he who lacks these, then there's a reason for it. And what it says, as Peter says, is it's short, you're short-sighted if you're saying, I don't have them because God hasn't given me them. If you haven't got these qualities, it's because you're not utilising them and you're not understanding of the person of Christ.
So therefore, they are there for you. And we are all bond servants of Christ. We're all starting from the same place. Just uh, again, in verse 11 there, I'll just finish with this. It says that for in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. You know that the entrance into the eternal kingdom is an ongoing thing. We're entering now. Now, whilst we are waiting, of course, for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, which will be at his determined time, but we are growing, or we should be growing, into Christ. And therefore, we are growing into entering into the eternal kingdom. And that is something that we should enjoy as Christians today, serving him, growing in appreciation and looking to our inheritance. And as we understand and are given the understanding and the knowledge in Christ Jesus, we see the future so much clearer and we long for it so much more. And that reflects in our lives. Shall we pray?